Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the B-Side Podcast. For this first month of 2023, we're devoting our weekly episodes to the topics of our Mercy and Justice Month, and specifically our focus on fatherlessness and foster care. Each week, we'll have a special guest join us to discuss our weekly sermon focus, and we'll devote the final minutes of our episode each week to answering any questions from our community. So enjoy our conversation with our guests and sending questions as you have them. We'll now move to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the B-Side Podcast. Uh, I'm Steve King, and Matt Loyne alongside me, and Ginny Hoover alongside us. Ginny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks nice for being here. here. Yeah, yeah, we're happy that you're here. Uh, yeah. Matt, We, you know, as, as we've shared with our community, a little bit of intro to the podcast yeah. uh, throughout this month. We're focusing on mercy and justice issues throughout the month of January, as we always do in the church for about eight years now. I think yeah, we've been doing that's that. Right. Is that right? So, uh, Matt, maybe intro a little bit about why Ginny is the guest for this yeah. week on the podcast. So this year, I was explaining a little yesterday, we're going to, rather than do several different mercy and justice topics throughout January, we're going to spend the whole month and really this whole idea of local mercy initiatives the whole year on uh, focusing on fatherlessness and foster care. And we're going to have guests come to our Sunday worship services to, to talk a little bit about different organizations and, and what that looks like in central Pennsylvania. Uh, but on these B-Side podcasts during the month, we wanted to uh, invite some people from our church community uh, who have stories shaped by this in one way or another to come on the podcast and just to get to hear a little bit more about their stories. I think it's a, a really helpful and, and hopefully you find it, you know, as you're listening to this, helpful um, to know that this isn't just a an amorphous uh, impersonal topic that we talk about, but it's it's real people's lives and even real people that we know and care about in our own church family. So, Jenny, it is great to have you. Uh, you and Bill became um, members and covenant members of Liberty just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe just as a, by way of introduction, just what, how did you guys um, find your way to Liberty Church and get connected here? We were looking for a church that was Bible-based and would stick to the teachings of Christ. Hmm. We had been members of other churches and other denominations and each and every one of them are splitting and yeah. either becoming progressive or it yeah. just wasn't for us and, and I, I didn't want to be in a church anymore that did not respect the teachings of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So that led us here because we talked to Barry and Lois DeRoos. Yeah. And they are probably two of our closest friends and they didn't push us. They just, we asked them to talk to us about it. They did. And then they said, anytime you want to come, you can come. Yeah. And we came with the thought that it might not be for us because it was a praise band and not an organ. And, sure, sure. And things like that. But by the end of the first visit, we just looked at each other and said we wanted more of this. Hmm. And we really couldn't stop coming. Hmm. And that's how we got here. That's cool. That's yeah, for those of you who would maybe don't know Barry and Lois DeRoos, if if Liberty paid like a recruitment fee, like a referral fee, yeah, they, sure. would be, they would be loaded. They would <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be on the leaderboard. <laughs> they'd be on the leaderboard for be, yeah. referral fees. <laughs> yep. They're great. Yeah. Um, and, and, and even um, some of what led us to today and having you on the podcast, Jenny, you shared uh, when you became a member uh, at Liberty a couple months ago, you shared in your snapshot, as we call them, and, and really with a, just an incredible and beautiful vulnerability and honesty um, that some years back uh, you had a daughter that you gave up for adoption when she was three days old and that you didn't expect to see her again. But, but actually a big part of your story, one of the, the, the ways that really your faith became your own in a, in a unique way was that when she was 24 years old, she sought out and found you and has since become like a, da- a daughter to you and Bill and uh, a sister to your sons and it's just an incredible part. And, you know, in the, like those, we say in those snapshots, it's just a snapshot. We just get to hear a tiny little bit that has so much underneath it. And so even today, the hope was maybe to hear a little bit of, of the backstory as it, as it ties so much into, uh, as we're talking about foster care and adoption. Um, so maybe to start, would you just share a little more about what it was like to give up your daughter 
uh, for adoption. Um, Mm. What was it like to arrive at that decision? Maybe some of the emotions you were experiencing. And I guess we should say up front, um, Tammy is her name. uh, Or Tamara. Mm -hmm. uh, Tammy. Um, But yeah, would you share a little bit more about what, what that was like? It was lonely. Hmm. Uh, isolating, uh, there was a lot of shame. That, remember, we're, we're in the 60s. Okay. And yeah. attitudes were quite different then. Hmm. And uh, tremendous amount of shame. Hmm. I don't think I arrived at the decision okay. to give her up. My parents arrived at that hmm. decision and said, this is what I was going to do. Yeah. And at that point, I would have done anything to get to um, fix yeah. the situation. Mm, yeah. So I, I was going to do anything my parents told me to do. Yeah. And so they, when I was um, about seven months pregnant, they sent me to a home for unwed mothers in Washington, D.C. Mm. And at that time, they were also called homes for wayward girls. And I was definitely sure that I was a wayward girl. <laughs> Um, the guilt was terrible. Yeah, yeah. The shame was terrible. Mm. Um, before I left home and went down to this home in D.C., yeah. um, my mother and dad had made an appointment for me to talk to our priest. Yeah. I was only 18, and... He took me into the church and stood me in front of the altar and called me an adulteress. Wow. And that just absolutely shattered me. Wow. I I was, I will never forget that moment. Yeah. And i surprised I'm still going to church. It just. Mm. Yeah. um, Yeah. And I thought that's what my parents sent me there. Huh. For. Hmm. To the priest? Yes. For, okay. That to, was the purpose yeah. of seeing the priest. Yeah. And um, it was it was a, a very, very awful time. Yeah. When they sent me to the home, <clears throat> I actually found that to be... Uh, how can I put this? It was a relief. Okay. Yeah. Because no one there was judging. We were all, hmm. all the girls were huh. the same. Hmm. And uh, we just made the best of it. Yeah. Um, I, we could go out and take walks, and I discovered that I could walk down to the uh, National Zoo and hmm. go in there. So that's where I spent my days mostly, is walking mm. yeah. at the zoo. I did always feel as though I had committed a crime. Hmm by becoming pregnant and mm. that the police had my name and had my record and when I was out walking the streets mm, wow. I just had this feeling that they were watching me. Yeah. Waiting for me to commit another crime. Yeah. That was the severity yeah. of the guilt and the shame yeah. of those days. That is um weighty. Like I yeah. I just not having been ever in a situation, you know, similar to that, I just I can only imagine how painful that, and like you said, lonely that feels is to be in that situation. And is that, is that something that, you know, you're saying your parents and you were, you know, understandably just saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to take their, their counsel and advice and just figure out what to do here. Um, when you did give Tammy up for adoption, did you find that that, that gave you the, the distance help that he kind of said, okay, because we're, we have this distance, I don't feel that kind of guilt and shame anymore, or did that continue on? No, that just continued. That doesn't mm. ever, it does not go away. Okay. Mm. Um, when I had her, we were together in the hospital for about three days. Yeah. And I named her, uh, mm. which isn't Tammy, and okay. uh, bought her a little outfit to go home and fed yeah. her and held her. And those three days were wonderful. Mm. And then when I was discharged, I took her. And uh, I had a cousin who lived in Silver Spring, Maryland. Hmm. She picked me up at mm-hmm. the hospital, drove me back to the home. They handed me my suitcase. I handed them my daughter. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And we left. Okay. 
And, and was that, that was the agreement, you kind of saw that coming, but that's, that, that's the process. That's that how the is, process that works. That was the process. Okay. Yeah. And uh, six weeks later, I had to go back down to sign the final papers. And I told the social worker I did, I wanted to see her. Yeah. I wasn't sure I wanted to go through with this adoption. Hmm. And she said, she's already with her adoptive parents. It's illegal for you to see her, sign the papers, and go home. Wow. And so that's what I did. Yeah. And that's really, they lied to me. Hmm. So was, any of, was any of that true? No. None of that was true. First of all, it wasn't illegal sure. for me to see her. To see her, yeah. The second, she wasn't with adoptive hmm. parents. She was in foster care. Hmm. And her foster mother was, as I understand it, an alcoholic who had several babies that she just left lying mm. in the cribs wow. day in and day out. Wow. They weren't held. They weren't cuddled. Yeah. The only time they left that crib was to go for well baby checks. Mm -hmm. And my daughter did not thrive um, yeah. because she had no attention. Yeah. And at about three or four months, she wasn't doing some of the physical motor skills that hmm. babies should be doing. And so they declared her unadoptable. Hmm. Wow. And she was left in that situation until she was nine months old hmm. okay. when a doctor at a well baby check said, we've got to get this baby out of the situation. They moved her to another foster care. Hmm. The second foster care mother worked with her okay. and really brought her back up to speed. There really was nothing wrong with her. Yeah. Yeah. Other than neglect. Yeah. Right? Neglect. Yeah. So as it stood, she wasn't adopted till she was about three. Okay. Okay. So she was in foster care until three, a better foster home than the first one. Yes. And then was adopted permanently at age three. Okay. Yeah. And, and you'd shared just before we, we hit record too. Could, and you're, you're sharing here a little bit too, that which I think is um, really helpful, hard, but, but important perspective for, for people to know that aren't involved in foster care and adoption is that um, not everyone goes into to foster care and adoption with good motives yeah. or really has the, the child's best interest at heart. Um, it's tragic, but true that there are many foster parents and adoptive parents that do that either for financial reasons or for um, for other other reasons that aren't aren't good. Um, so you 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 came to learn a lot about Tammy's story, and that was through through as you reconnected later. Did she share that with you, or is that more your own in the future? Kind of you did some of your own digging there. She shared what she could remember. Obviously, yeah. she couldn't remember her babyhood, sure, and I sure. I did some digging and was able to dig up get a hold of records hmm. um, because she she signed we both signed a release okay. for yeah. those records okay. and she cooperated in getting okay. those baby records because I wanted to know what happened yeah um, and when was that what what year was that how old was she when you she was, was she was born December fifteenth, nineteen sixty six. Yeah, mm -hmm. and this would have been probably February of sixty seven. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, so and you had shared some of this in your snapshot, um, but yeah, so how how did then it come about that you guys connected later when she was twenty four? Well, apparently she she always knew that she was adopted. Okay. And she had two older brothers who were te early teens when she was adopted, and uh, a younger brother who was born shortly after she was adopted. Mm. So they were all their biological children. She mm. was the only adopted. Okay. And she started looking for me, I guess, in her teens. Okay. Mm. And she searched for five years. Yeah. Um. She always wanted to find me because she could not understand. Hmm. They told her that I had married her father and we lived nearby and had four or five other children and oh, we just wow. didn't want her. Oh my goodness. And they told wow. her 
her birthday was not really her birthday. That was a birthday that the foster care made up. So huh. she was really, really searching for an identity. Sure. Yeah. And she, in, in her search, and her, really was completely lost. Every bit of factual information was wrong. Right. Yeah. So she was just unsure where to turn in her, in her own search. So yeah. for yeah. five years, she searched. Yeah. Hmm. And she was clever. <laughs> Very <laughs> clever. Huh. She searched the National Archives. She went into all sorts of, I mean, she had the, the National archives right there for her to search in hmm. um and so she did that and she never she went to the adoption agency and she would go down there make an appointment and she would sit there and they would play the social worker had her file and my file right in front of her hmm. the social worker said she couldn't give her the information that was in there hmm. wow but tammy could guess <clears throat> So she said, when is my mother's birthday? Is yeah. it close to mine? Well, sort of. Well, is it before mine? I mean, you're getting colder. Well, is it after mine? And those were the games wow. she played wow. for it's like, five. It's like 20 questions. Yes. It's like the, yeah. So slowly she gleaned wow. information. Wow. And then one day in early December of 1990. Okay. She was talking to one of these older brothers who had been around when she was adopted. And he said to her, I don't understand why you can't find your mother when you know her name. Hmm. Huh. And she said, I don't know her name. Huh. And he says, well, mom does. Wow. Meaning the adoptive mother. Sure. Yeah. And he said, I heard it too. I know what it is. Huh. I just figured you already knew. Oh wow. oh, wow. Yeah. And as it turned out, they all knew my name. Wow. But they just didn't give it to her. Huh. And their full name, even. Like, like Ginny and your maiden name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Wow. And at that point, and I guess I have to, to admit, it became, there became something very physical <laughs> at that point. I remember three weeks before she found me, I was really thinking about her a lot. Huh. She was on my mind constantly, and I really sensed that she was close. Wow. And I had no, I had nothing to judge that by. Yeah. Just a feeling. Yeah. And I kept talking about how close she must be. Yeah. And then one day I got the call, and it took her exactly three weeks to find me. Wow. After she got my name. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, the first thing she did was find my parents, and they were still in the phone book at the same address. Yeah. And uh, she also knew that we were Episcopalian, so okay. she called the diocesan office in Harrisburg. Oh, wow. And this yeah. gets really strange. Um, she called one day and said she was doing a genealogy study. Hmm. That was what she learned to say. Yeah. And she spoke to somebody in the diocesan office and the woman or whoever it was who talked to her said, oh yes, I know Ginny Miller. Huh. And she used to live in High Spire. And my daughter said yes. And she said, well she lives in Harrisburg now. She's married. And she said, and I know her married name. And she gave her all this wow. information. Wow. Yeah. And within an hour, my daughter called our house and talked to my younger son. Wow. Oh my. And it was that quick. Yeah. After she met with me and she told me this, I checked with the diocesan office and there was no one there who had taken that call hmm. or knew anything about it. Huh. And there was no one there that I knew personally. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's just one of those situations where it's like, what, what was, you know, did yeah. God just really that miraculously open up? That, to me, was that. an angel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she found me. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Did your, uh, you said she first, first spoke to your other child, your son? Yes, right? she did not tell him who she was. Okay. Mm -hmm. did, did your other children at that point ever know that you had... No, and okay. I had a very strong reason for that. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. It was so painful for me. Hmm. Sure. To have given her uh, up. I didn't want to visit that pain on my sons. Sure. Yeah. And I didn't know how a small child would process that 
would they think, oh, well, she must have done something to make mom mad mm. if I do something to make maybe she'll... Huh, sure, I didn't sure. know. Yeah. And so my feeling was, unless she shows back up in our lives, they don't need to know this. Yeah, sure, maybe sure. at some point as adults I might have told them, but I yeah. had not to that point told them. Yeah. And and what? How did it kind of progress then from there? Was it a was it a pretty quick? It was embrace? very quick. Okay. <laughs> it was very quick. And it was it was it like a you know for you for Bill for your sons was it was it a pretty fast embrace? Because that's a pretty jolting thing to have a twenty oh, four year old grown woman show up and yes. say this is you know this is my mom. And, my yeah. younger my younger son was funny. Well, she <laughs> she called me it, my after my son talked to her my younger son. Yeah. Gregory called me at work and said, this girl called blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I knew instantly who it was. I absolutely knew wow. it was her. Huh. And I worked for an attorney and we had talked. I had, he knew that, about her. Yeah. And it offered to help me find her when I was ready. But I was hmm. never ready to search. Hmm. And so I went to him and I told him about the phone call. He said, it absolutely is her. Take your time, go in one of the private rooms, sit down and call her. You have to call her. I said, hmm. am, I, am I allowed to call her? Huh. And yeah. Because it, that I had always suppressed any feeling I had. Yeah. Everything about her was suppressed. Yeah. And I didn't think about it, and I didn't let myself feel. Yeah. It was totally shut off for 24 years. And... Uh, that's the only way I could deal with it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I went in the room and I called her. And as soon as she answered the phone, I knew it was her. Mm. And wow. we talked a little bit and I was really composed about everything until she said she was married and she had two children. Mm. And then mm. suddenly that vision in my head of this little tiny newborn that I carried with me mm wasn't there anymore it wasn't valid because mm. she's telling me she has babies yeah yeah and she had at that point a four-year-old daughter and 11 month old son wow and i just i lost it then yeah. I, I really i was very difficult yeah because it hit me that i lost 24 years of my child's life mm. so <laughs> she said I want to see you. And I said, yes, I want to see you. She came up the next day. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the whole thing happened wow. really fast. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and she came up. Her husband kept, it was December, remember? And mm. her husband took the kids, the two little ones, and walked around downtown Harrisburg for three hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Entertaining them. Yeah. While she and I met. Wow. And after three hours, he showed up with the kids, and I met my grandchildren for the first wow. time. So we spent the day together, but really in those three hours, within a few minutes, we were finishing each other's <laughs> sentences. Huh. We knew what the other one was going to hmm. It was an incredible experience, hmm. and it's something I, I'm, I just can't really describe fully. Yeah. Yeah. So she, I yeah. had to leave then. Um, uh oh, I had to leave and go pick up my younger son from wrestling. Hmm. And so he was how old at that point? Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. So I picked him up, and I said, "Gregory, are you going to be around after supper tonight?" And he said, "Yeah. Why?" I said, "Well, I want to talk to you." He said, "Oh, mom, don't do that." He said, "If you got something, spit it out." <laughs> Little did he know. <laughs> so I said, you remember that phone call you had yesterday? And he said, yeah. I said, well, a long time ago before your dad and I were married, I had a baby girl. He said, is that her? I said, yeah. He said, whoa, mom. <laughs> yeah, big news. Big if news. That's, yeah. yeah. And I said, yeah. I said, she is, she's my daughter. Hmm. And he sat there for a few seconds and he said, so she's my sister. Hmm. I said, yes, she is. Hmm. He said, oh. 
And he's thinking a minute, and I said, well, there's more. <laughs> and he just rolled his <laughs> eyes. He said, what else? I said, she has two children. Mm. <laughs> and he sat there, and he said, so that makes you a grandmother? And I said, yeah. He said, whoa. <laughs> and then he said, wait a minute. He said, if she's my sister, then her children are my nephews. Yeah. And nieces. Yeah. I said, yes. He said, so I'm an uncle. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, okay. What's for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Helps end the discussion. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So my older son, yeah. we got home. I made dinner. And she had given me a couple pictures of herself. And I thought, okay, well, it was easy with Gregory. It'll be easy with Adam. Hmm. <laughs> And so I put those pictures on the counter, and he came in. He said, you know, who is that? I said, well, that's a long story I want to tell you. Yeah. And he said, what's going on? So I told him, I said, you have a sister. <laughs> and I met her today. <laughs> and he didn't react the same way. Hmm. Yeah. He was how old? He was 18. 18, okay. okay. He was in college. <laughs> he reacted a little badly mm -hmm. and he said first of all we were supposed to have the perfect family we don't mm -hmm. have divorces and children and things like that mm -hmm. in our family mm -hmm. and that just crushed mm. that just crushed me sure and then he said and besides that i was supposed to have the first grandchildren i'm the oldest mm -hmm. and i realized that his position in the family his birth position had oh. just dramatically changed oh. And he was trying to adapt to that. Yeah. And so we talked and he finally, he got up. He said, I'm, I've got to go. I got to leave for a while. And he got up and got in the car and his car and he took off. Yeah. And I was crushed. I thought, what have I done? <laughs> and half an hour later, he called me and he said, I'm down at his friend's house. His friend wasn't there, but he was sitting there talking to his friend's parents. Hmm. And they kind of brought him back to reality. Hmm. And he said, I'm okay with things, and I'll be home soon. He said, I just, I know you're worried. Hmm. He said, don't be worried. I'm, I'll be home soon, and I want to talk. Wow. Hmm. Wow. And that's how quickly he that's turned a, around. That's amazing. And when he got home, he said, now I, I want to know what you know, I want to know the story. Hmm. So I told him as much as I felt comfortable telling him. Sure. And he said, I'd like to call her. Hmm. And I said, I'm sure she would be thrilled to hear from you. And so he went in the other room and we were trying not to listen, but I did. <laughs> and I heard him say, Tamara, this is Adam. I'm your brother. And that was... Wow. And that's how it all came wow. together. Hmm. Wow. That's quite a story. Yeah. It's an awesome story. Hmm. It is an awesome story. Yeah. Parts, part, many parts of it, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, it strikes me, Jenny, too, you know, so your, your story is full of, um, there's shame and silence and loneliness. There's misinformation. You know, your story gives a glimpse into how broken the whole system of adoption and foster care is and has been and continues to be. Um, and then there's also just this incredible element of redemption and restoration and this exactly. this sense of, of God making something, bringing something so beautiful out of something so painful and broken and difficult like that. Um, so I, I just I'm, I'm curious if, you know, as you as you get to kind of see it from this vantage point now. This was 1990 that you reconnected with her. Mm -hmm. So now 30 years or so after that, um, how do you describe kind of what this whole experience has taught you about your own relationship with God? Well, I thought I wasn't deserving of a relationship with God. Hmm. I grew up in, an, in being churched. Yeah. I was always active in youth groups. I was always yeah. very, as a young person, involved in church. Yeah. When that happened, when I became pregnant, I I just felt that I wasn't deserving of God. Mm. I wasn't worthy of God. God had turned his back on me. Mm. He was, you know, I committed probably the worst sin mm. possible. 
And when I went back home, I did continue to go to church, but I did not have a personal feeling of, I just didn't think he was listening to me because, huh. mm -hmm. you know, he had better things to do than to listen to this <laughs> little girl who had committed such a, a nasty sin. Mm -hmm. But when she found me, and that first day she was talking to me, she said, I've searched for you for five years. <laughs> and that, it, it just ripped something open, I guess. Wow. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> and I sat there and realized, when I was able to think clearly, that I was so important. This I was a stranger to her. Mm. But she, I was so important to her that she searched for five years mm -hmm. to find me <laughs> and overcome a lot of odds. <laughs> and if I was that important to her, maybe I wasn't lost to God after all. Mm. And she really, she really made me think about God and my own worthiness. Hmm. Wow. Um, it, it changed the way I thought about myself. Hmm. Um, hmm. That, like that you're worth pursuing, like that, was, that God that would maybe pursue God you. wasn't yeah. all done, all finished wow. with me. Yeah. yeah. And hmm. maybe things weren't as bad as what I thought they were. Um, hmm. And so I, I still, I started to really believe in myself. Hmm. She made me believe in myself. Hmm. And over the first year, we both had counseling. We both had mm -hmm. long talks. Mm -hmm. um, she would come up as often as she could, and I would go down to see her as often as I could. Mm. And we would just go out and take long, long walks and talk mm. and talk. And we both agreed that if we wanted to have the close relationship that we obviously both wanted, that we couldn't look back and regret. Mm -hmm. She couldn't be resentful mm -hmm. of the childhood that her brothers had mm -hmm. and that she didn't get. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't look back with regret, always feeling that I had failed her, mm -hmm. that we had to start fresh and mm -hmm. we had to accept that the past was the past. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't easy to say, it, it's easier said than done, but we both worked on it. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, she wanted this relationship as much as I did. Mm -hmm. And because we both wanted it very badly, we both worked at it. That doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's so. a, yeah, I, I could, I could do this all day. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, this is this incredible story and grateful for your, um, just for your your willingness to share it with us and with with people in our church and the the one piece that that I wanted to make sure we where where even some of this kind of redemptive part of what the story that God was writing in your life kind of brings us into the present with yes. you just recently became an approved advocate at um, Capital Area Pregnancy Center yes um, and you know, even that that ties in with some of, of this story and, and how God's brought redemption out of it. So it'd be great to hear a little bit about that. What what kind of prompted you to become an advocate there? And what is that? What is that looking like? Well, we have to go back to our friend Lois DeRuce. <laughs> <laughs> it all connects back to Lois. It's the <laughs> she and I shared stories as, yeah. as we got to be better and closer friends. Yeah. And when I told her that I was a birth mother and she told me that she was an adoptive yeah. mother. So we really have a lot in common and she kept telling me you really need to go check out the pregnancy center you would do great over there hmm. and I I didn't really think I had it in me I thought I'm getting too old I there's really nothing left I have to offer anyone hmm. and uh, again I think it's those feelings that I still fall back on sometimes hmm. that I'm not worthy hmm. you know hmm. um, but finally, when that Roe v. Wade decision was leaked yeah. last yeah. spring. Yep. Yeah, before the actual decision, but yeah. it was yeah. leaked. It yeah. was uh -huh. leaked yeah. in April, I believe. And they started, you started hearing about bombings at pregnancy centers. Mm -hmm. I became enraged. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, this is it. Mm -hmm. I have to stop sitting on the bench and get mm -hmm. up and do something. Wow. And I 
that's when I went and told Sandy Ziola to ask her to please put me in touch with the right people hmm. because I was ready to go over there and work at the pregnancy hmm. center. Hmm. And it, I did it because I became angry and I, hmm. I just, that's how it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it really tied in with your sermon yesterday. The, that whole indignant, get yes, angry, get frustrated. In, the like, yeah. But but angry. in a way that motivated this beautiful response yeah. of like, yeah, that's all. That's incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's and what. What I want to offer, these girls and these women who come in, is compassion and understanding. Yeah. Because it's something I never got. Mm. Hmm. They they don't need judgment. They need understanding, mm-hmm. and they need compassion, and yeah. they need somebody who probably understands what how they feel to just sit and listen to them. And that's what I try to do. Mm. And that's really our our job as advocates is mm. to sit and listen and to find out what their needs are, what they need right now in this situation mm-hmm. that we can help them. It's not to tell them what they need to do. It is to find out what they need hmm. from them, what they need. So, anyway. yeah, Jenny, how I'm thinking of the person who's has questions and they can certainly, we can connect them to get more answers to questions they have, but how much time does an advocate spend or can an advocate spend each week working there? They ask for four hours a week, okay. a mm. shift, and I work one shift for a uh, one four-hour shift okay. every Tuesday. Mm. <clears throat> you can obviously work more than that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I started training and going to classes back at the end of May, and all through June and July, we attended classes every week and the, in person, and they were about two and a half hours. And then we had video classes that we did at home mm. on the computer. And so there was a, a, a fair amount of time. Sure. Yeah, dozens of hours of training, yes. instruction. And, and yeah. even now, the first month that I was there, I and even now, I, I still shadow. Sometimes I will shadow uh, Judy Klein or yeah. Amy, the nurse as they um, bring in a new client. Mm-hmm. And now I do have, I have gone in, I do see clients on my own now, and yeah. it's very exciting for me to do that. Yeah. Very gratifying, it's mm-hmm. it's delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes a long time to be comfortable. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. With the situation, and know how to ask a question that doesn't sound like you're being interrogated. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the other advocates there have learned this way of just asking questions uh, in a conversational Mm. way and not Mm. making an interrogation. Sure. I'm working on that. Yeah. Well, it's a good and necessary skill set to build. Mm. It doesn't doesn't come easy to any one of us, right? So it's important work and it takes preparation to do it well. Mm. It's good. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, that's... I'm drawing a blank on the reference, but this this passage keeps coming to my mind as you're sharing this part of your story um, where God promises um, he, he will restore the years that the locust has eaten. Mm, yeah. The, this idea that, that, that the locust would come and, and swarm and just do utter destruction on the land and that that would, that would cost people in terms of revenue and time and all the stuff that they, and that, that God made this promise to, to restore what the locust had eaten. Mm-hmm. And it just, I just feel like there's so much of that reflected in, in your story from mm. even, you know, the, that initial moment of feeling this intense regret of, Oh, 24 years that I've missed. And the whole, the whole, you know, everything that led into needing to give her up for adoption and the way you, you were left isolated and, and shamed in that situation. And then, um, but just to see how God brought, you know, how restored so much, uh, in your own relationship with Tammy mm-hmm. and your whole, she's part of your family. And then even, bring it into the present, you know, even 30 years after you reconnected that now you're an advocate for women that didn't get the kind of help and care that yeah. you, would have been so beneficial and helpful yeah. for someone to look you in the eye those years ago and say, you are worth something, Ginny, to, to me, to, to God, to, and you know, and you're loved in this moment and you don't have to go 
separate from everybody else and just deal with that on your own and then and then wrestle with shame and guilt you know like that you're able to like look women in the eye now and, and it just that's just such a beautiful picture of of god's redemptive work mm-hmm. through incredibly hard and painful things yeah so um so I, yeah it's just a it's just a beautiful story and just grateful that you're you're sharing oh, it with us you. today yeah yeah i would say it's beautiful now <laughs> yeah that's mm-hmm. fair yeah. that's yeah in there are many aspects of it as you went through it that it wasn't that it yeah no, and it was it was very difficult because I uh, when she found me, hmm. uh, my mother had just had a triple bypass and had just come home from the hospital mm, and wow. was in not good shape. Hmm. And when she finally found, well, before she actually found me, she found my parents. Hmm. So she called, hmm. mm-hmm. and there my mother is out of the hospital one or two days. Hmm. And my and she called and said, "I think your daughter is my biological mother." Wow! Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> what the what what that's, a weak what a weak heart a shot in the moment that, yeah. when it's yeah. Uh-huh. So she talked to my mother. My mother was pretty cold to her, mm-hmm. and she said, "Well, would you at least give her my phone number and, mm-hmm. and ask her to call me?" Mm-hmm. And my mother just said, "I'll think about it." Mm-hmm. And so. The next day, Tammy called her back, and she said, have you seen your daughter or talked to her? Yes. Mm. Well, did you tell her about me? No. Mm. Wow. So Tammy said, well, I guess I have to wait until you're ready. And she said, yes, you do. Mm. So she was very cold. Mm. And her fear was that Tammy would destroy my marriage, break up my marriage, and Mm. hurt my sons, Mm -hmm. and it would just be a destructive thing. Mm. And so she did not tell me that Tammy hmm. called. So it was actually Tammy herself, after she talked to the diocesan office, was mm. able to find me and talk sure. to me directly. And after that first phone call with Tammy, and I told Bill about it, I said, I, I've got to tell my mother, but I think maybe I better wait a while till she's stronger. Hmm. And then Tammy called that evening and said, i got to tell you, I talked to your mother a couple times this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I called, yeah. I called my mother and she was, she didn't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, mom, I, this is a journey I have to take. Hmm. She said, well, you're going to get hurt. I mm. said, maybe I will get hurt, but I won't know until I do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, am, I, I said, God gave me a second chance with my mm. daughter, and I'm taking it. Mm-hmm. And that's all there is to it. And mm. I'm sorry you won't do this with me, mm. but I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And she did eventually come around. Wow. Okay. Wow. But that's the, that's the honest reality is that... that um, in the complexity that that all of this brings up is when we're talking about um, broken situations like this, that there are complicated emotions when there is even the attempt at reconnection or how to do that well, or how, how your biological, you know, how your, how your sons are responding to, to finding out they have a biological sister too, that they've never met. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of com- complex interpersonal relationships. Like that all, through. A minefield. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like unavoidable that you're going to step on some of them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. Ginny, as we, as we consider for the rest of this month, this theme in our church and, and even as we expand that throughout the year and more people in our community consider the opportunity to be foster care parents or adoptive parents, what would you say as a an encouragement or a challenge, an insight to anyone who's considering that, why they should consider it and what their mindset could be if, as they go throughout that process. The adoption system, adopting a child is such a beautiful thing. Um, it, I just think more children, more mothers should choose adoption over abortion. Hmm. Um, there's just not a comparison there. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't put the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and adoption generally is a, is a beautiful thing, and children have a such, uh, so much better uh, opportunities in life. It can be 
not a great thing, but more hmm. often than not it is, and hmm. I think it's very worth it. A lot of the adoptions today are open adoptions where hmm. the mother picks the parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And so some of the pitfalls that were found in the system hmm. back in the 60s and the 50s are no longer there. Mm -hmm. And so it has improved. And mm -hmm. I, I think that any woman who is considering uh, abortion should reconsider that and mm -hmm. choose adoption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because things have gotten better. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And even it's just, I, I hear that too and say it, um, for the for the families that really do love kids, if they, if they have their own biological kids, if, the, if they've been blessed with their own kids or if they've been unable to have their own kids, um, but they really do have a deep love for children themselves. And it's not, it's not coming from that other motive that, that sometimes creeps in like financial or, or otherwise that um, there really still continues to be that need Mm -hmm. as we'll hear about even more this month is, and you and Sandy will get to share a little bit in a couple of weeks, even yes. about capillary pregnancy center more on the work you do there. But, um, as we get to hear this, that there continues to be a need for families that go into this for the right reasons and for, with real love for the, the kids that they're bringing into their homes. I honestly think that there's a lot more families out there that want to adopt children out of pure love. Yeah. Of mm. wanting yeah. children. Yeah. And, they should have that opportunity. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Jenny, thanks for sharing all this. Just opening up your your story more to to us and to the community. Um, we say, and like when when new members come in, we say that snapshot is like, hey, this is only a two or three minute blurb. Please take it as an opportunity to go connect with someone more. <laughs> You've done that well here today, and still only like we could sit here for hours. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Continue yeah. to pummel yeah. you with questions and <laughs> uh, and hear more of the story, and just because it's so fascinating. So, um, anyone, any one of our listeners, take this just as a expanded snapshot. Almost, <laughs> this is not the whole story. Um, you know, insofar as uh, you're willing and able, and and you're able to spend time with Jenny and, and Bill. Uh, just to get to know the story more. Thank you for sharing that with us because yeah. it's been it's been awesome to hear. Yeah, um, and it's important for our for our, for for us to hear it, but it's important for us as a community to hear this story because it does really demonstrates a picture of God's redemptive love mm. um, that shows up in in His created order, even in the midst of brokenness. God is working, and so your story mm. shows God working in a way that uh, ultimately draws us to him shows us a more, a greater picture of his love for us. Mm. So it's been awesome to hear. Thank you. Mm. I, I, I firmly believe that God brought her back when I was ready mm. and perhaps I wasn't mature enough mm. or independent enough to raise her on my own mm. when I had her. Only he knows, mm. but it was a beautiful thing. And it's, it's really made me realize that God does have a personal relationship with each one of us yeah, and that we are all worthy. Mm. Yeah. I remember that. That's great. Amen. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jenny. And, um, yeah, appreciate you being here today and taking the time. Sure. Yeah. Right. Thank we'll, you. We'll say goodbye. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. See you soon. Take care. Bye. All right, Matt, we're back after talking with Jenny Hoover. Yeah. And we're just going to turn right to the questions for this week. We got so you preached yesterday. Yeah, we got a couple questions. A couple questions came in. So um, thanks, everyone, for staying with us on the podcast. Let's some questions here. Um, let's jump in. Matt, give us the 90-second summary of yesterday's sermon before we get to the questions. Yeah, so this whole month focused on fatherlessness and foster care. These first two weeks in particular are trying to lay a biblical and theological foundation for that. So yesterday we talked about God as father of the fatherless. It's how he identifies himself, uh, well, at least one aspect of his identity as revealed in scripture. So we were in Psalm 10. There's many other passages we could have looked at for that. Uh, but really then the, these two building blocks um, that we looked at yesterday were, were God's identity and our indignation. So God identifies himself as father of the fatherless. We unpacked a little bit of what that means. And then our indignation, part of that Psalm 10 prayer is a prayer that God would break the arm of the wicked, um, that God would bring their work to an end. We actually, we actually need to uh, to care about the fatherless in the right way. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a form of anger and frustration looking at how sin and its effects have corrupted the world and hurt people and are harming people that we actually need to get 
to experience indignation, but then, but then take our indignation and turn it into prayer. Like the psalmist does taking it to God, not yeah. taking our anger. There's, there's a different kind of anger that we would take into our own hands and like act angrily yep. <laughs> versus taking our indignation to God and then, and then responding out yeah. of that. Let so me ask. That's the short, that's the real short version. Good short version. Yeah. I mean, we, we still recommend that everyone goes listen to the actual sermon, sure. but that was a good short version. Well, thanks. Okay. Um, so here we got two questions in some questions within the questions. But yeah. Let me, let me ask this one, just because you finished it, finished with that part of your sermon summary. Sure. How do we pray indignantly? Yeah. Right? What words are we to say? It doesn't sound right, this person asked, to pray for harm to someone. Like, literally what you said, break the arm of the wicked. Yeah. Is this literal? Is this figurative? How do we do this as Christians? Yeah, I, I go back to actually using Psalms, like Psalm 10, and there's a handful of them, um, they're, they're typically referred to as imprecatory psalms. That's yes. the fancy word for like a curse where there's a curse in them. Like if you want to impress people. Yeah, drop that phrase. Drop like that phrase. Cocktail okay. hour conversation. There you yeah. go. Um, but the the psalms are are really the school of prayer. That's a that's a famous St. Augustine quote. The psalms are the school book of the school of prayer. So like mm-hmm. we go to the psalm. Like we have the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. We have the psalms. God taught his people how to pray, you know, by, by, in all, in all forms, joy and lament and adoration and, and imprecatory Psalms. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what the Asian word is imprecation. I was I, I, I yeah, drew a blank on that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I'd say even like the second half of Psalm 10, um, that's a great model where, and, you know, I guess you could maybe debate whether or not you, you put specific, um, proper nouns in the place there like do is it i think it's okay to pray break the arm of the wicked that's a more generic broad like let wicked people stop what they're doing Mm. let evil people stop their evil i think there are some situations like like an imprecatory prayer maybe related even to what we're talking about with with Ginny earlier um or what we'll talk about more this month is like I should maybe pray that planned parenthood goes out of business right like there's a problem i'm inserting now a proper noun and saying what they're doing by encouraging women to get an abortion for any reason whatsoever and have a completely different um, view of children and the world and, mar- and all this stuff. It's like, I hope Planned Parenthood shuts down. Yeah. Not because I don't care about women, but I do hope Planned Parenthood doesn't exist anymore. Right. Right. True. <laughs> um, yep. You know, like, so um, maybe there's an example of a proper noun you put in its place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say there, there's a maybe a calibration, too, of the... Uh, imprecation. Okay, yeah. so we're making that a word. <laughs> we're making that a word. We're, we're using with, it now. We're so. running with it. Um, I, I don't think we want to pray imprecatory psalms or prayers against anyone that we would see around us as causing us strife or grief, um, or even anyone in the world that we see in sin. Sure. Um, we both want sin to, to to fail and for sin to stop and for people to repent of sin. Yeah. We also want like both that and them to repent and turn to God and like actually be saved. Yeah. And so we don't want to just pray that those around us, anyone who's causing us hardship would like have their arm break. Sure. Calibrate it though. Picture, picture like yourself at war yeah. or picture like someone pursuing you to kill you. Right. And, and that's, we read that a lot throughout the Psalms, like David, David being pursued. There's a, there's a, there's like, there's an outcome to be found yeah. here. Either someone's going to kill him or he's going to survive. Right. And so he's praying to God, like, have my pursuer fail, have them be the one that dies, yeah. have them be the one yep. that falls into the pit. Totally. Right. And so we, we have to calibrate that. So like, like, is it literal? Well, yeah, it can be literal that we're praying for plug in the noun right. to fail, to like, yeah, to, to not succeed. Yeah. And at times, like we can imagine, used you know a powerful uh, uh, kind of picture yesterday in the sermon of like if if anyone was coming after your children, yeah, your, your response to that. Well, picture someone coming after your children yeah. and how heightened you would quickly maybe pray that they would that their arm would break. Yeah, um, for sure. And I wouldn't or, hesitate in that moment. Wouldn't hesitate, yeah. or that that like yeah. I would be the one who yeah. would break it, you know, yeah. if, if needed, right? So that's that's good though because you don't just want to drop this every time you're inconvenienced by someone. That's exactly right. Or, yep. or like someone even harms you or wounds you. That's right. And always, and this is the other key piece of this. I, I tried to bring a, a, a moment of that into the sermon yesterday to say to just to just get angry. We have we have to our our imprecatory prayers always have to be. We always have to be really conscious of the mercy of God that we're so desperately in need of, too. I mean, yes. we we are the wicked apart from the intervention of God. True. And so if we're ever forgetting that, 
and we're just starting to drop imprecatory prayers on other people, we're forgetting that like how much we need the mercy of God too. Yeah. So we want them, we want the evil and wickedness to stop. We want people to turn and repent of their <laughs> wickedness and renounce it. If they won't, we want them to, we want them to come to an end. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, right. You know, if they're, if they're going to persist in it, then we want like, so, but, but there's a mercy consciousness that, that yeah. also is, and it's all through Psalm 10 is informing, um, informing the, even the, the imprecatory. Yeah. If there's maybe one last thing I'd say on this would be if you're looking for, if you're, if you're like, what imprecatory prayer can I pray? Pray it against Satan sure. and his work. Yep. And let us recognize when we pray, because I've done this in my life where like I, I pray and I'm like, what did I really mean by that? Like you pray for Christ to come back, yeah. right? Like Lord return soon. And I'm yeah. like, at the end, I'm like, did, did I really mean that? What did I, what did I say? Mm-hmm. And the more I reflect on that, it's like, I, 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 like, I want Christ to come back and crush Satan and yep. sin. Yep. And so don't just think about the goodness of Christ coming back. We know that when Christ come back, he wins yeah. completely, yeah. Um, uh, impressively so. And like, pray that Satan would be the one who fails yeah. and is, and is demolished and destroyed. Like, and let that be our source of our, our ultimate anger is yeah. that like sin and Satan would be the one who would be crushed. So liter- literal and figurative, right? Yeah. Probably a lot more to say about that, but hopefully yeah. have some helpful insights. That's good. Let me jump to this question. So here it is. I'll read kind of a, I'll read all of it here and we'll unpack it. So if God intended parenting to be a two-person design, a mother and a father, which would be worse, this person asks, a one-parent childhood, whether fatherless or motherless, or a two-parent childhood with a lesbian or gay couple, right? So, and then they go on to ask, are all gay lesbian parenting situations wrong? Is it worse than just being fatherless, motherless, or orphaned? And if someone is being raised by two females, or I guess two males, um, are they considered fatherless as well? Right? Like, how do we think about all of that? Yeah. So there, there would certainly be some some complicated situations um, that that I'd imagine could we could get into with this this question and kind of like maybe specific circumstances. But um, here's what I'd say. Are all gay and lesbian parenting situations wrong? I would just say yes. I think it's important to establish that that is not God's. We we as a culture invented a new definition for the word marriage. Um, yeah, I, as it currently sits right as now. As it currently right, sits right now. Moment, the, yeah, right, yeah. The, the actual definition of marriage as revealed by God is one man and one woman. So whatever we do legally in our country or any other culture would do, any other nation Whatever we do, call it. It's not marriage. It's a lie. And the design of God is one man, one woman as a united covenant Marriage is is what produces offspring, children. Um, you know, even like the, the the cultural mandate, Genesis one: be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Like that happens through a one man, one woman covenantal union, marriage. Yep. Right. That's so. Are the are the parenting situations of gay of gay lesbian parents which is wrong? Yes. Um, and in fact, they're only even enabled by advances that that have come. Like there's even some things that wouldn't even have been thought of or possible in the past that that are that are now possible. Now the second part of that question is it worse than being fatherless, motherless, or orphaned? I think there's there's still common grace that comes from God through people expressing um, care, concern, compassion, providing for people in that situation. So I'm less inclined to make that a hundred percent black or white, yes or no question. Um, so say it, say it again. I was miss. I'm missing. It's saying is it wor- is is it worse? Like it would would it be worse for someone to be to have two two moms or two dads um, than to be fatherless or motherless or orphaned. Got it. And I, I don't like in some situations, maybe, and in some situations, not like I, I don't draw that one black and white because I think there's a lot of common grace that still comes from through from God through people that are trying to, to provide for and protect and care for people, even if the fundamental relationship Got is it. wrong. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of baggage for that, that kid, children, raised by two parents, raised in a situation like that, they're, they're going to be formed from early in life with a really warped understanding of what marriage is meant to be in the design yeah. of God. So that's bad. The worldview piece of that, the formation of that is bad. But is that worse? I don't know. Because I think if, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm thinking about like what actually cares for both the body and soul of people is it better for them to just be sitting in an or, in an or you know you're you're yeah. shaking your head at well like, we're oh, doing my. we're doing this in real time right yeah. I'm trying to, like I'm trying to uh, um, listen well and understand yeah how you because the word worse maybe is like I I underlined it when I got the question I was yeah. like yeah, what do you mean by the word worse um, 
And I'm, so I don't. Is it worse from a worldview standpoint? It's worse from a worldview standpoint. Is it worse from a like my practical needs are met and cared for? Um, so you could say it, it might uh, be better. So a, ch- <laughs> a child who has two people providing for them may may bring more provision. So it's like they may have a what more financial security in the house. They may have. I'm just saying they have adults that say I care for you. I provide a home for you. You're not um, you're not left to the system broadly or bouncing around yeah. from home to home like you might like like no one actually cares for you and like and like actually says you're my child and I love you. Yeah. So I think there's that's what I'm saying. There's common yeah. grace that still as warped as our definitions get, there's still common grace that comes through it. And that's really complicated. Yeah. But I think it's true. Yeah. Um like and I don't know. Like it, it, I um that's it, to me where I go with that the question is to say that's why people that actually do believe and and are following the design of God, the good design of God need to step up and get in the game so that they are providing homes as much as possible to parent, a mother and a father in a, in a home for all the kids that don't have other homes. Like it's to me, I, I go, I, I can look and step back and say, I disagree completely. I think it's a warped definition of marriage, but I am grateful for the care and the love and I would affirm the care and the love that a lesbian or gay couple is giving to a child, at least in, in so many senses of the word that they are, there's still a way they're imaging God. You know, it, it, it's, this is where it's complicated. There's still a way they're imaging God and their love and compassion and provision for uh, that kid in a way that many heterosexual couples don't. <laughs> so, like, there's still grace, common grace in that. Sure. Um, that's where yeah. that's 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 where it gets muddy. Yeah, it is muddy. That's for sure. I'm trying to I'm sitting with that. Trying to think through it because I, yeah. I I think my my reaction to that would be um, one of those situations if we think about the single parent household. So if we're juxtaposing sure a same sex two person couple, that was the other part of the question. Right, one, so one we, parent household versus a two parent. Right, so which ones? Yep. And again, they're using the word worse, which I'm like, well, I don't, the word worse is like now all of a sudden we have to figure out what we mean by that word. Sure. But generally, if I look at those two sides of the coin, I would say one of those needs a healing of brokenness. So we have a single parent household. Yep. That's not the way it's meant to be. Totally agree. And so we need a healing of brokenness. Yep. And I'd say the other one, the two guys or two women acting as a married couple, that's creating brokenness. So yep. I don't, so I, now it's, in, it, it's also in need of healing brokenness, but the healing yep. of the brokenness will be a, 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 a dissolving of the lie of the, the, the relationship. Yeah. And a repair of it. So it, like, right. the first step to, to repairing it would be to make it like the other side of the coin. Yep. And then repair it a number of other ways too because sure. those people don't admit that they're – right. So I think I'd be comfortable with this, Steve. I think I'd be comfortable saying like the, the if we are going to try to rank best to worst, right? Which I'm not sure we should I'm do. Not sure I don't should. know if we should do that. I think we could at least – that's helpful. I think we could at least clearly say best is intact – father and mother home where there's love for the kid, like where they're actually, and, where it's, they're, and it's best because it's right. It's best because it's right. And because it's now maybe it may be practically best or better. Yeah. It's also right. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Holy right. Yep. And I think what you're saying then too, is if we're, if we're then talking about, um, there's a couple of different questions all built into this. If we're talking about, a, 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 we all, there's a lot in this pot for a, sure. Yeah. A single parent home versus a two parent gay or lesbian home. Okay. Then I would I would say the single parent home because that like you're saying yeah. there there's there's brokenness there yep. but it still has more intact of the design of the design of God. Yes. In the sense that it is there could be and there are incredible stories of redemption where then that single parent does get remarried or there's blended sure. families or there's all kinds of things that are beautiful that we rejoice in where the fundamentally the 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 same sex relationship that has kids in it would have to be we would we would be if if those people came to Christ, we would be we would that would be complicated as well. But there would be like a this can't this doesn't exist the same way this, in the same way that you right. that you've existed in this before. Right. Um. So I think if you put it now the the other part of the question which I was responding to before was what about the difference between a uh, mm-hmm. a same sex home and then a like being father being orphaned like being sure. in an orphanage or being like in bouncing around in foster care and yeah. that's where that's where I think. I'm I'm more reticent to kind of rank anything in that category um, than I am in maybe the other yeah. two. Yeah, I think the the ranking's hard. I'm not. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a good exercise for the drawing out of our thoughts. Or if you ever, yeah. hey, if you find yourself in a conversation with each other, yeah, 
the the ranking exercise could just like bring the thoughts out. I don't think the ranking is ultimately what we're trying to accomplish and figure out the the scale. Yeah, I I mean, sure. I'm like I could very easily be putting my foot in my mouth in multiple ways. Well, in well, well, it's we're doing it. We're doing this in. Hey, just so you all know, we do this. We're doing this live, right? Sure. Like we're not, and we're not yeah. trying to position ourselves as if we know every perfect answer. It's why right. it's a little bit of discussion here, and maybe it, it continues. Throughout this month, that's part of why we why we are focused on this to like draw out what we really think and believe on this. Sure, um, I would say, I guess I, I'm I'm feeling inclined to say, regardless of worse or better ranking them, I don't I would never find myself saying when is it okay for two people to be in a homosexual relationship in like in a fam- leading a family when is that okay sure and i'd say never sure it's never okay sure now someone may say hey there might be merit to okay now we have to like talk about the merit of yep. that yep but i would never say it's okay and i don't think i don't think god would ever say it's okay sure i would always say that's always wrong i agree now why it gets hard to rank it and talk about worse or better is because well we're bringing like sociological anthropomorphical Morphological, how do you pronounce that word? Was that logical at the end of it? All that. Anthropomorphic. Just put them all right? in one all, word. All logical. Yeah. Um, spiritual, like all the different aspects, right. like which one's better or worse. Okay, well now we got to like hash out big conversations. Right. Regardless, never write. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what I'd say. Never write. And yet in the common grace of God, there would still be some things to affirm within a situation like that, uh, even though it would not be right. That's that's the that's the complexity. Like complex the, there, because there's because if there's provision for kids, if there's love and yeah, provision's good. Provision's a good thing. You can like you can yeah. look like, and that's the that's the same thing to say like for anyone that's an image bearer of God. There's something still intact of the image of God in them, and therefore something to affirm in that. Yeah, and so I think that's where that would there'd be that in that situation too. Yeah. So there you go. We hey, solved it. We solved knocked it. it out. We're done. No, that's a great. Uh, thank hey, you for the great questions. Great questions. These yeah. are good questions. Hard, Bring hard, yeah. those questions throughout the month. Thanks if you stuck with us throughout this long podcast episode. We're just going to give some time to spending time with our guests this month, so we might get a little bit of longer episodes. But it's not month. us talking. But it's we not get, us talking. We so get you can't to have blame us. Other people's stories, which are way more interesting to listen to. True story. So send in your questions as you have them throughout the month. We will see you for worship next Sunday. Enjoy the rest of the week, everyone. Yeah. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B Side Podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.